relationship with him. Because there are two different things. Satan knows who Jesus Christ is. But Satan doesn't have a relationship with him. Satan's in opposition to him. I wouldn't want to be counted as an individual who is in opposition to Christ. So think on those terms. Father, we just thank you for this time and this opportunity to come before you and hear what you have to say. Not the words that I'm using, but Lord, let them be your words. Whether we make testimonies or not, Lord, your words are the most important words to be spoken. Because you ultimately are the one that we look to. We look to you for encouragement. We look to you for your presence. We look to you for reinforcement. Lord, we depend upon you to help us through those moments when we don't know what the next thing coming will be. And Lord, there will be many, many moments in our lives where that is the case. We don't know what's ahead of us. But we also know that today is sufficient to not get ahead of ourselves. So Lord, we pray that today you will meet us where we are. You will meet our needs personally, our families, our co-workers, the people that work in the daycare, the mothers that have children in the daycare. We pray for all of those individuals. We lift them up to you. We thank you for how you have been close to us and how you have met our needs. Lord, give us the patience to wait on you in all things. And we give you the praise and thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen. In recent months, I've come up with a phrase to describe my life. And this is uh, something that some of you may have even heard. Every day is an adventure. Amen? Every day is an adventure. The moment you wake up, well, praise the Lord, you woke up. Let's start with that. Amen? You, you have a day that the Lord has given you, and you are ready to embark on your new adventure for that day. Whatever that is. Well, some days are days that are wonderful and amazing. And some days, you know, from the moment you wake up, you're going to have challenges. Amen. Amen. Challenges. Some of these are expected, while some are new challenges that you don't necessarily look forward to. And they require you to be very flexible 
in how you respond to them. You've got to be flexible. If you had plans to do something that day, they can and sometimes will change at a moment's notice. Amen? Feel free to say amen because I want all of you to take this in for what it is. This is a message not just about me. It's a message about you. Plans change at a moment's notice. And each time, those changes, those moments require your full attention. No sense in backing away now. You've got to face it head on. Let's look at that real quick. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Let's talk about today. We can talk about the future. We can talk about planning for the future. We can talk about what happens tomorrow. We can talk about our IRAs, our 401ks, our plans to jet set and get off into retirement and do whatever you want to do. That's good talk. And you should plan for the future. That's the right thing to do. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, succinctly tells us that we don't need to worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will worry about itself. Amen? You're not living in tomorrow today. It's today that you have to look at. And we're not even at noon today. Something can happen today where your day could be turned upside down. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen? Now, where am I going with this? It's not even sunset yet. Well, no dire message here. Just that every day may indeed be an adventure. But each day, one after another, week after week, month after month, and year after year, you are embarking on what I'm going to phrase as a journey. Today is one day, and the rest of your life is a journey. Amen? As a believer in Jesus Christ, your relationship with Christ makes your journey not just a journey, but a spiritual journey. Spiritual journey. I'm going to give you an overview, if you will allow me. And I say that because, you know, when, whenever a speaker goes up before a group of people, you just quite never know what the response is going to be. Now, I don't expect tomatoes to be thrown at me today because tomatoes are not in season. Amen. So we don't need to worry about that, do we? Now, other types of fruit, you know, if you have stuff in the back in the refrigerator and stuff, if I start seeing stuff flying up here, I may have to take an exit. I don't know. But we won't worry about tomatoes. 
we'll just press on and say, I'm going to give you an overview of my own spiritual journey with the hope that it will help you to look at where you are in your life journey with Jesus Christ. Amen? What I want you to see here is how this journey over time is not so much better because life gets easier because it doesn't get easier. Life doesn't get easier just because you go forward. You know that term easy street? Where is that at? Is there an easy street around here? I think there's an easy street down in Cuyahoga Falls or over there next to, or that is next to Steak and Shake or something. I think they call it Easy Street or is that some other different street? That's success. You're right. The name of the street was called Success. Thank you. Is there a success street too? Your life is not going to get easier, but it's going to get better because your life in Christ will get richer with your personal growth in wisdom and knowledge because of the Spirit's involvement in everything you do. Let me repeat that. It's going to get better because of the Spirit's involvement in your life, in everything that you do. That's what you need to take away from this. The Spirit has to be working in your life. As a believer in Jesus Christ, if the Spirit's not working, helping, bolstering you up in your life, it's time to do a personal inventory of what you really are believing about Jesus Christ. Because the Spirit, when the moment you say you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit comes to indwell within you. But you can stop the Spirit from working in your life. President Theodore Roosevelt once said, The more that you know about the past, the better you are prepared for the future. That's a great quote. In the examination of my own spiritual journey, Roosevelt was absolutely on target. I had to learn more about who I was as a person in order to come to the realization that I needed to choose Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I had to look at myself and see who I was. From there, I recognized the necessity to make a series of progressions over time to bring me to this point of my journey, meaning today. There's a series of progressions that should be taking place in your life once you declare Christ as Savior. Amen? I heard like three amens out of that. I'm going to challenge you all today. I mean, you don't have to yell and scream and shout. But I'm telling you, if you don't feel like you're progressing and you've been a believer for 50 years, what's up with that? Amen? My past as a non-believer was not filled with church experiences. In fact, I seldom went to church. I was only exposed to church 
on random Easter Sundays, and I mean really random. We're not even talking about every Easter. We're talking every other, other, other Easter, if there's such a term. (laughs) And ironically, those visits involved hearing my grandfather, Reverend Ernest W. Stevens Sr., preach as a guest speaker at Lee Road Baptist Church or some other church on the east side of Cleveland. I was never involved with church at Christmas time. Never went to church at Christmas. My parents at that time were not believers in Jesus Christ. And there was one King James Version Bible in the house that collected dust on a side table. When I graduated from high school... My first job was work at my uncle's florist shop in East Cleveland. For those of you who don't know, my uncle's last names were Gaines, and you may have heard of Gaines and Gaines Florist. Maybe you hadn't, but that was my uncle's florist shop in East Cleveland. Of the two uncles, Tyrone was a believer who spoke about the need to accept Christ, and Larry talked about the Lord but was not really following him. Over the summer, I worked at the shop seven days a week, and I was exposed to a new, entirely different lifestyle. Coming out of high school, had never worked a job before. That was my first job. I delivered floral arrangements and took orders for flowers over the phone and in person. And a significant experience was taking place there when I had to deal with families who had just lost loved ones. Someone died in the family. And I had to get involved with orders for bereavement flowers. You know, baskets, sprays, all the stuff that you see at a funeral. Well, we did flowers like that all the time. I also became introspective about the delivery of these flowers to funeral homes where I had to place the flowers on and around the casket of the person. These events are fresh in my mind. You know, once you do something like this, you don't forget this stuff. Amen? And that was my first exposure to work. In witnessing the aftermath of the death of others, including even those who have infants, who had died prematurely. It made me think more about life and what I had to look forward to. I'm an emotional person as it is. So when I'm looking at families who are grieving, I felt that emotion. You feel those very things that are taking place. And you really can't get away from it. I listened to the testimonies of my saved uncle and a fellow employee, a young woman named Renee. I'm not using her real name. If I used her real name, you'd know who she is. I don't want to do that to her, but I'll just leave it as Renee. She mentioned to me that her life was different at that time because of her relationship with the Lord. She used to listen to gospel music and would even sing a few lyrics out loud. She was and is today an amazing singer. She also witnessed to my uncle Larry about the Lord. I knew deep down that my uncle liked Renee for her appearance, 
But she was always a true professional. Never got involved in that stuff. I respected her approach to life very much. And I was a little envious of how content she was. I was anything but content. I was still living at home. I had already bombed out of college. My parents were fighting on a regular basis and were headed for a divorce. Work at the flower shop did not pay a lot. And I had to learn more about money management because I had just purchased a car that I could barely afford. So I was anything but content. My past up to that point was telling me that my life at that time was on the road to nowhere. On the road to nowhere. And that nowhere was fast approaching. Now, I had taken other jobs after that in order to try to determine what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And I circled back eventually to working at the flower shop. In 1986, boy, 1986, how old do you think I am anyway? (laughs) As those flower shop days were ending, I was invited to a church on the west side of Cleveland. Second Calvary Missionary Baptist Church. Reverend Roland H. Crowder was the pastor that delivered about two or three messages on Sunday where I decided that enough was enough. Amen? I knew that I didn't have any solutions on my own for where my life was going because I had no clue. But I knew that I needed Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. That June, I went forward and accepted Christ. And I got baptized two weeks later because I was so excited. I invited some of my friends to come and see the baptism at the church. I was 26 years old and I was baptized with a group of eight and nine year old kids. So if you can imagine that, here's me standing up there at 26 years old and he's got these little kids with me. I have my little robe on. They had their robes on. It was exciting. And a sight to behold. Amen. You had to take my word for it. With a new beginning in Jesus Christ comes a new template of how to live. You get that? A new template of how to live. I knew that Christ was present, but I was still learning about the presence of the Holy Spirit and what all of that really meant to me. You don't, you don't know all of this stuff the moment you become a believer. You have to learn this stuff. I knew where I was, but now I could see there was more to life than just my own personal experiences. God had to teach me that life is more about serving Him than my own needs or my own desires. 
Here's an interesting story that I bet you don't know. A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, well-renowned, we know who he is, amen? amen, writes about his own moral dilemma in his own book written, entitled My Own Story. Now check this out. Where at age 14, he willfully disobeyed his parents in spite of his own desire to pursue ministry for the sake of fulfilling his own desires. He willfully disobeyed his parents and said, I'm going to go out and have a good time. That's literally what he was saying in the book. Now, Simpson doesn't go into detail about what those things were, except that they were things that people who aspire for ministry should not ever do. And he was aspiring for ministry as early as age 14. He knew he wanted to go into ministry. When his parents found out about it, his mother went off on him. Like your mother or father would go off on you if you do something wrong and you're disobedient to your parents and you know you should be doing something you shouldn't be. They're going to go off on you. Here's a quote from A.B. Simpson. It was the day of judgment for me. My mother wringing her hands and pouring out the vials of her wrath while I sat confounded and crushed. That tragedy settled the question of the ministry. Soon after, I decided to give up these side issues and prepare myself to be a minister of the gospel. That's A.B. Simpson. And you know what he wound up doing. But guess what? A.B. Simpson was just like you and me. We have those moments when we know we're doing something we shouldn't be doing, when we willfully disobey God and we willfully go outside of where he would have us to be for our own pleasure. He admitted it. He was being honest about it. But there is a consequence for that. Everyone in history, everyone has a history to reckon with. All of you have your own history to deal with. At the moment that a person comes to Jesus Christ, that history will remain part of you. But those periods of history now as a believer become part of now your learning experience. You learn from the past. Even if it's learning, I'll never do that again. Amen? You learn from your past. A.B. Simpson learned about what it means to be a fully devoted person to Jesus Christ and live a life of devotion for Christ. Thankfully, from the moment of our conversion to Jesus Christ, the transformation of our hearts And minds begins. Please go to Romans chapter 12. All of you are very familiar with this verse. And you got to understand something. God wants to transform you as believers in Jesus Christ. 
But now you've got to allow him to transform you. The verse is there. The verse is true. It says in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do you know you can choose to worship God or not choose to worship him? Your spiritual worship is to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Amen? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Amen. Back in the day, well, even, hey, today, I've made a lot of mistakes. Today is Honesty Sunday. I've made a lot of mistakes. I still do. My history before I became a believer in Christ consisted of looking to the world for answers. The world. Answers to questions, answers to problems. The world was all I looked to. Following the world meant living a sinful lifestyle. Amen? You get what I'm saying? You get my meaning? I'm talking about myself. I'm no better than you. I'm talking about myself. But what I just said is true for every one of you, even today. Amen? No names. You know who you are. After all is said and done, by listening to the world, I took very bad advice. Bad advice. I am grateful that God has been merciful to me and has allowed me to learn from my mistakes with minimal consequences. Amen? Not everybody gets that. Not everybody gets away with minimal consequences. That alone is worth praising the Lord for. Amen? Amen. Listen, guys. That alone is worth saying, praise the Lord for giving me another chance to get it right. Take a look at what Lamentations chapter 3 has to say about that. Lamentations 3 Verses 22 and 23. When I read this verse, I I just had to stop. (laughs) I just had to stop and say, wow, because it's true. It says in Lamentations 3, verses 22 and 23, reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible Version, Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. Just stop there. 
we do not perish. For his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen? What a mighty verse that is. Two verses. Even though sin is part of our fleshly nature, we learn over time that our Holy Spirit gives us the ability to resist the temptations that lead to sinful behavior. We have the power in the Spirit to live a life that honors Jesus Christ. Now, understand something. Like I said before, you have the ability to say, I want to worship the Lord or I don't want to worship the Lord. That's your choice. Free country. You can do whatever you want to do. You can let other people dictate to you what the right thing is to do as far as how you should be living your life. Or you can look to the Lord and say, I want to worship you. All of us worship something. Amen. You can worship yourself. If you make a choice to. You can worship yourself. That's what an atheist does. An atheist says there is no God, but an atheist worships himself. You were created as spiritual beings. You are going to worship something. You can't get around it. You don't have a choice in the matter. You're going to do it. When it comes to dealing with sinful behavior, though, God gives you an extra measure Look at what it says. Turn real quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians 10. Yes, we live in the world. Yes, there's all kinds of distractions out there. Amen? Amen. There's all kinds of distractions out there. There's greed. There's gluttony. There's... I can name all the seven deadly sins for you. You know what they are. Because you're in the flesh. You already know what they are. I don't have to tell you what those things are. But the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to deal with all of that stuff. If you allow it to happen. In verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 10, English Standard Version, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. In other words, what you experience, what I experience, what all of us go through, we all go through it. Ain't nothing anybody in this room has ever dealt with that is greater or more difficult than anybody else. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Stop right there. He won't let it happen. Of course, the caveat is if you allow it to happen. He won't let it happen, but you can make it happen if you choose to. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Be honest. You can make a choice to sin or not to sin. You can make a choice. 
to take your behind to bed or stay up late at night and watch movies on TV you shouldn't be watching. Amen? Hello? Amen? I'm double clutching up here. I'm telling you. These are choices. He's giving you a way of escape. Sometimes the way of escape is take your butt to bed and go to sleep. Or not go out on the town at night. I'm tired, man. I I know I need to go to bed, but I'm going to go over here to this place. Well, the way of escape was taking you behind the bed. That you may be able to endure it. You know, sleep is a beautiful thing. Amen? You know, I love to sleep. I wish I could go to sleep right now. I'd lay down right up here on this platform. And y'all say, I'll just say, turn the lights off. Because sometimes sleep is a wonderful thing. But do you realize, for those of us who, you know, you can find reasons to stay up and do stuff as you know you shouldn't be doing. Amen. I told you this was Honesty Sunday. Early in my life, my new life as a believer, God was gradually revealing to me what my talents and gifts were to use in my new faith. Remember I told you before, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had no clue what was going on. No way. Why am I here? And every now and then you ask that question. You've asked your Lord, what am I doing? I liked art and English as a youth. And while I wasn't a big reader, I did like to write. I also grew in my verbal communication skills with my career in collections and as a supervisor. At my first church, I was a greeter. And then soon after that, I was selected to teach Sunday school to the teens. My first class subject were the books of 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. God knew that the best way for me to study his word was to make me a teacher. Some of us have to have that. I knew that I wasn't going to read the Bible Unless I had a reason to read the Bible and I don't want to look stupid in front of a bunch of teenagers trying to teach them about First Timothy, Second Timothy and Titus. So he made me a teacher. Amen. I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm telling you the truth. I just wanted to sit in church. He put me to work. Say, you're going to teach. I said, what? It was very humbling, and yet it launched me to where I am today as an adult Sunday school teacher. I would not be able to do any of these things without the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. All of us have talents and gifts that you have to learn about as a believer. Go real quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We all have talents and gifts. Some of us can play musical instruments. The uh, piano, the electric piano, the drums. I can play a kazoo. That's about all I can play. I used to take guitar lessons when I was younger. I, I went and sat and took guitar lessons from a guy who could barely play the guitar himself. 
You know how you pay for those lessons? And you hear him go funk, funk, funk when he's taking a guitar. And I'm trying to play the guitar. I don't know if I can play anything right now. I wish I had stayed with it. Some of us, you know, you get to, you have to take those musical instruments when you're young. You gotta play stuff like a, a clarinet. You don't wanna play a clarinet! You wanna play something that's easier to play. Now I'm emoting now. I'm really dwelling back in my past. But you have a talent. If you have a talent to play something, that's a talent. Now your gifts come into play though. When you become a believer in, the, in Jesus Christ, He makes you aware of what your gifts are through the Spirit. Amen? Because remember, you don't do nothing without the Spirit with those gifts. Amen? How's that? How do you like that for English? You don't do nothing without the Spirit. The Spirit is what allows you to do what you do best. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 6. This is from the Holman Christian version. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God activates each gift in each person. And it may be one gift, it may be more than one gift. But he activates those gifts in you. Now, it's like turning on a light switch. He activates it. But you've got to use it. Amen? You've got to use the gift. He wants you to know what those gifts are. He wants you to seek him to find out what those gifts are. Do you know what your gifts are? If you don't know, you need to know. You need to let the Spirit speak to you to find out what those gifts are. And understand something. Those gifts can change over time. The Spirit is teaching you regularly, every day. New gifts may come up in your life that you didn't have before. But you've got to be in tune to the Spirit to know this. My growth as a believer continued as I developed my communication skills. I was able to finish my undergraduate degree in business and organizational communication at the University of Akron. Goes this. In 2002, and it was not long after that when Pastor Gus gave me opportunities to speak from the pulpit. Now, the first times out were a little rough. Okay, And I try not to dwell on those. But I managed to make progress and learn about the preparation and delivery process over time. We're all learning. We're all learning. Every day that the Lord gives you is a day of learning. A day of experiencing his presence in your life. I learned that while speaking from the pulpit is quite an honor, I was reminded that it is a privilege to do so. Amen? Amen. And my approach should always be one with prayerful humility. Go real quick to James chapter 4. Everything that you do needs to be done with a humble heart. I cannot tell you how irritated I get when I hear folks bragging 
about themselves before the Lord. You don't see the Lord being praised. You see the individual being praised. A humble heart. What that young man did in that video, just as a sidebar, bold speech, but also a humble heart. Do you know why? Because he bared himself before everyone to show exactly the emotion that you would experience the moment you die, the moment you see Jesus Christ, only to find out you're not going to be with him. Huge. Only a humble heart can do that. Can feel that. Can express that emotion that captures the thoughts of others in the audience. Did you hear the audience when he said, when Jesus said, I don't know you? They went, whoa. Because it blew him away. That's what you need to take away from that. James 4, 6. Holman Christian version. But he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I want I want his grace. And I'll just say it again. I'm nobody special. I'm just a dude. Amongst other dudes in this room. Or other ladies. But it's his grace. That allows you to do whatever you do. In service for him. A.B. Simpson was humble in his service. He was willing to sacrifice his time and even his own personal stature for the sake of reaching people for Christ. Did you hear what I said? His own personal stature. Everybody knew who A.B. Simpson was. Anybody who was around him knew exactly who he was. But he felt it was much more important to elevate others around him for the purpose of the gospel. His missionaries, educators, his staff were all committed to their areas of service because he set the tone for the ministry. Any good leader wants people to get up and do stuff. A leader who wants the spotlight for himself, ain't nobody going to do nothing. The leadership has to set the tone. He prayed fervently and provided vision, determination, and commitment to everything that he was involved in. He prayed for the people working with him. His example is what I strive to demonstrate to those that I serve in my church and in my workplace. We have a lot of responsibility in church leadership to pray for the members 
and pray to uplift others, to pray for your co-workers at work. The desire is to honor Jesus Christ, not myself. Honor Christ. Go to Colossians chapter 3. We're on the home stretch. Colossians 3, verses 16 and 17. Some of these should be bellwether verses for, for many of you. I mean, when we see verses like this, this should be your life. This should be your life. How you live your life. Look at what it says. Let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom and singing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Every day the Lord gives you is a day of praise. Amen? And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. If you're doing this stuff, you ain't got to listen to what the world has to say. You won't have to listen to that. This is the way you live. Now, as I say that, in the midst of all of this, my flesh provides constant reminders of my history before Christ. What y'all looking at? Your flesh reminds you. I know that God's power through the Holy Spirit is ever present, but the allure of the things that support the flesh make things like, I give up. Or, I'm going to take a break from Jesus. I'm going to take some Sundays off. Sound more appealing. The flesh wants you to do that. Let's take some time off. I need a break from this place. I want to go do what I want to do on Sunday. I got Christmas shopping to do. Come on. Why are y'all so serious? But this is where your history can no longer determine the appropriate steps. I'm not going to allow it to happen for myself. I need to treat history for what it is. And remember that as I repent from my sinful past, God no longer remembers those sins. Amen to that. I'm also thankful that Jesus took care of all my sins once and for all. If everybody's listening, please say amen. 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 Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10 verses 16 through 18. Now, one thing that we have to always remember as believers, God's word stands and is constant And he doesn't retract a single word out of the Bible. Amen? Well, thank goodness for that. Amen? When you have asked for forgiveness for your sins, and when you have a trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to believe he has covered your sins for all eternity. If you don't believe that, then you don't know where you're going. You catch that? 
If you don't believe that, you don't know where you're going. You just live In Hebrews 10, verses 16 through 18, it says, This is the covenant I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. He adds, I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. Now, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. No need for an offering for sin. Jesus Christ is the offering for sin. Past, present, and future. But you have to believe that your sin is covered. And knowing that your sin is covered, that you do everything you can to not sin against him. Because you understand the magnitude of that sin being covered. Amen? It's huge, everybody. You worship an all-powerful God who covers and takes away the sins of the world. Amen. Amen. It's been just under 30 years for me as a believer. I can't even believe that. Next year will be the 30th year as a believer. And while I have grown in my faith and in my ability to serve, it was not until recently that I was confident that I was in the place that God would have me to be. My next steps in life, and this is all planning, it's all speculation, involve looking into serving as a chaplain or maybe even pursuing ordination. I'm sincerely open to what God has in store for me. And I readily acknowledge that even after I obtain my master's degree, I still have a lot to learn as I exercise my faith. And that's a big amen. Because in the grand scheme of things, I'm still learning. I don't know anything. I'm still learning about the Lord. And guess what? So are you. Amen? We're all learning. Take a look real quick at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. This verse is one of those verses that you look at and you look at it again and you look at it again. Now, what does that mean when you read it? It says, so then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose. The work is far from over. You are still working through your life, working out your salvation, this salvation, this wonderful, magnificent, marvelous gift that God has given you. And you don't even know how to describe how good that gift is. You can't even put words into it. But yet there it is. He's given it to you. So now here you are trying to work through, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And wonder and amazement at how God is working in your life. That's what you need to see here in this verse.
as a Sunday school teacher, it is prudent for me to continue to practice what I teach. Ongoing reading and meditation of the scriptures and living a life of fullness in Christ wherever I may be. Your spiritual journey in Jesus Christ from today forward continues. Father, we thank you for your presence in our lives. Lord, we want to willingly go on this journey with you. Lord, we know that every day has enough trouble of its own. But we know that each day your presence gets us through that day and moves us along. And Lord, we thank you for every day that you give us where we can proclaim your name before others. In the words we use, in our mannerisms, where people will see the spirit in us and say, that person is different. Because we are trusting in you. Thank you for the ability to worship and praise you. Thank you for the ability to resist temptation. Thank you for those things that help us to resist walking away from you. Thank you for helping us to remain in your fellowship. Thank you for giving us the voice, the mind, the desire to ask for forgiveness of sin. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the enabling power of the Spirit to do everything that you would have us to do. Thank you for showing us the gifts that you give us. Thank you for the power that you give us to endure any persecution. Thank you for helping us to resist the world that does not want to see you glorified. We thank you for your presence in our lives. Lord, we pray now for those individuals who do not know you. We pray that the testimonies given today from the music, from the video, from Elaine, from everyone who has spoken, that the Spirit goes after those individuals and say and says, trust me. Trust me. Don't let those people who don't know you go through another Christmas without you. And we praise you and thank you for the testimonies today, for the truth being spoken. We give you praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen.